for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Oh la la, do we have a show for you today. You asked and asked a ton of questions and we responded with a metric shit ton of answers. Those numbers are directional. Luke and Tex cozy up to the mic with a couple of dad hats and an endless fire hose of information. Curious about conditioning for rugby? Or how about the true recovery value of a decent VO2 max? How do you gain overhead stability after surgery? And what is the risk versus reward of training overhead movements for a sport like baseball? Learn how to progress those pesky step-ups and how to get jacked even if you can't cervically load the spine. Finally, what role does breathing play in creating internal pressure and how to properly implement PNF stretching? These questions and many more answered. This is episode 243. Power Athlete Nation, what is happening? You have Luke and you have Mr. Chris McQuilkin, a.k.a. Tex, a.k.a. Mac, a.k.a. C-Money, a.k.a. Dad Hat, (laughs) sitting across from me. In our kitchen, my kitchen here back in uh, Austin, Texas, because it's fucking 20 degrees today. Yeah, it ain't snowing. The roads are frozen, and uh, the barn doesn't have heat in it. So, yeah, that's where we're at for today. Uh, It's just going to be us. We're going to be going through a little Power Athlete Crew episode. We posted a little post up uh, to get y'all to ask us some questions so we could answer them. But first, I have a riveting story for you. Two stories, actually. But even before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, I am absolutely stoked. Well, I guess let me just freeze right there. If you thought you were out of the woods about hearing about the Power Athlete Symposium, you're fucking wrong. And let me guess, based off of our calculations, while 99% of our listeners were at the symposium, you know who you are, boys, okay? Thank you for introducing yourselves. Some of y'all didn't make it. So here's what we did. We videotaped everything, we recorded everything, and we're pushing everything out on Power Athlete Academy, okay? So here's how you're going to see that stuff. And we're going to be dripping that out over the next, I don't know, 12 weeks, all the lectures will get out. And then, spoiler alert, there's going to be a mega pack at the end with everything bundled in. And uh, if you're an NSCA person, we're going to shoot to get that um, set up for CEUs. But if you want to see what we got going on, it's sick. It's like 4K video. Actually, we had to get it to 720 so it would fit on the thing. But it's 720 HD. Uh, we're going to have the audio there for download. You're going to see pahq.co slash pa-academy. These things are going to be like 35 bucks. You get access to it for a year. You can watch it over and 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 over again. Uh, pretty cool fucking layout. Cause we have our presenter talks, which were at a podium. You know, some of these guys had some slides, some didn't, um, Rudy Reyes was one of those guys fucking smashed it. Uh, and then we also have our talk to me, Johnny segments, which is like our on the long road where John's at the table with a, with a coach or one of our buddies. I mean, Jim Steele's was fucking epic as well. Anyways, you're going to have these access to these things and it's the next best thing because if you missed it, you missed out. But you can get a piece of the action by checking this out. P-A-H-Q.C-O. Don't fucking put an M in there. Slash P-A-Academy. All little letters. And that's how you're going to see these courses. And like I said, keep your ears peeled. Keep your eyes peeled. We're going to be announcing that stuff over social media as well. But until then, what you're going to have to do is listen to this episode on repeat. Right? Because it is the repeater. And we are getting into it. And what I would like to lead off with, Tex, is not necessarily 
a question, but more so a confession. A confession? Yes. You are aware of this story, but for the sake of our listeners, let's pretend that you aren't. Okay. So there I was last night, okay? Now, as you're listening to this, folks, it is January 16. I hope that doesn't ruin anything. But the eve of January 15th, my lovely fiance flew back from a little bachelorette party, and I scooped her up from the airport, swung by. You know, it's a long weekend. She rides hard. She knows how to party, okay, people? So she rides hard. She has a fu- bunch of fun. I've been there, so I scoop her up, get some dinner. We're driving back. We're going to fuel up her car so she can get to work, no problem, the next day. And I fucking roll up to our local gas station, fucking got a brand new 2018 Volkswagen Tiguan. That's a 2018? That's 2018, bro. So we just picked this thing up in November, okay? Because prior to that, what we had was the Volkswagen, the diesel Volkswagen. And that is, and as you may or may not know, people, they fucking some nefarious shit ghosted on some, some uh, <laughs> emissions testing. <clears throat> and we had to turn that thing in or get it, get it fixed. We ended up turning it in, training it up. And uh, we had a gas motor. So I think now that I've mentioned gas and diesel, you might know where this story is going. So I roll up, jump out of the car, grab the nozzle, jam that nozzle on autopilot into the gas tank. This car, people, is the exact same color. The fuel tank is the exact same fuel tank. The fuel doors, the no, no, no. exact we, same fuel We've already fuel established door. it's on the I opposite side of the car. I don't think you're right. I, so what did I do? I fucking grabbed the gas, or I grabbed diesel on autopilot, got a diesel truck. We had a diesel vehicle, pumped diesel in there. And I'm thinking, man, that fucking diesel nozzle doesn't fit into that receptacle like I remember it. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, I think that's a, maybe it's a new... I don't know, like, and then boom, it fucking hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I grabbed the fucking gas pump, text, I grabbed it and just fucking ripped it out in like a lawnmower. I grabbed it and ripped it out and threw it at the fucking pump, hits the pump, hits the ground. The guy next to me is like, what's going on? I run around gracefully to the driver's side, rip open the door, boom, I had the car idling. So the car was fucking running while I'm putting diesel fuel in the gas tank. You're supposed to turn it off. Listen, I like to break the rules. You know, when we move the table today, I like to move things with glass on it just to fucking keep it edgy. Like, and if there's a possibility... Like put the different gases in. Yeah. I know it says... No, that's not... I think I, you like to break I the rules. I take my phone out because of those videos that show the thing exploding because of static energy from your phone, and I like to keep the car running because I like to live dangerously, bro. All right? That's how I do things. So long story short, people, yeah, put diesel fuel in a gas fucking tank and... Uh, got the look from the fiance and I had to get it taken care of. So rather than call a tow truck, John's actually out of town traveling. Uh, we went over to the ranch, snagged a trailer, me and a couple guys, Mr. Shaw and Mr. Spanton and rolled back at 9 PM and fucking sketchily loaded this fucking thing, pushed it up on this trailer and pulled it up with some toe straps. Very sketchy. It was really riveting cause we didn't think it was going to work. That's what I like to do. Get it loaded up. Well, anyways, last night, people, the temperature dropped to like 10 degrees and it rained. So it rained from like 9 p.m. until midnight. And then it f- went to a deep freeze after that. So there's a layer of ice all over central Texas right now. And fired up, Volkswagen dealership is open and f- hauled that thing to drop it off to the dealership, get it fixed. On my way back, I go to pick up Tex McQuilkin. Tex lives on top of a hill. Yeah, I'm towing a trailer in the fucking Dodge and I go up this maybe uh, eight degree grade. Yeah, it's my sprinting hill. Yeah, it's fucking sick. And it's covered in ice. And I get about halfway up before I start fucking sliding back down with this trailer. Spun out. 
ended up pulling a sick evasive maneuver. I don't think yeah. you controlled this. Dude, I controlled it 100%. I, I popped it in reverse to facilitate the backward slide to get a drift, whipped it around, and made literally the trailer towing maneuver of a lifetime to recover from a backward slide with a fucking 20-foot trailer. And then just went right downhill like nothing ever happened. And people were literally just looked out the window and were fucking cheering, dude. It was epic. Nobody saw it. So the confession is, people, I'm one of those guys put diesel gas in a fucking gas motor. That's all I got for your text. Yeah, man, you belong in Oregon. I know. I'm ashamed, people. This is my confession. This is me getting it off, getting the weight of the world off my shoulders. Now, I don't think people fucking care about this anymore. But if you want to go ahead and belittle me and badger me, that's fine. Tex, do you have anything to say besides the Oregon thing? No, man. I uh, Just drop me off on the way to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> so we survived a fucking catastrophe this morning, people. And we are now able to give you another episode of the premier podcast <coughs> in strength and conditioning. Ing, ing, Assuming Callie doesn't cut the whole story out. Wait, what was that, Tex? Well... <laughs> Ing. Well, we learned that Callie's been cutting our comedy routines I out. Know, We've been bogus. practicing our bits. Yeah, and our karaoke. And our karaoke. And Callie cuts it at the end of the show. So if you haven't heard this stuff, guys, go ahead and shoot her an email, Callie at Power at the HQ. And tell her to release all the karaoke tell cutouts. Her to release it all. All right, Tex. <laughs> okay. You ready? Let's do it. You want to do a repeater? Uh, do you want to do a repeater? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, the lean grizzly. The lean grizzly. Leading us off. We got some rugby guys out here. Cool. So a couple of rugby questions. One to lead us off. I'm a rugby player. In my conditioning, my condo is crap. I have an airdyne and I'm hitting it hard in preparation for the upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Do I need to worry about frying my central nervous system on the airdyne and hindering my lifts? This is kind of a good question. First off, bro, I'm looking at your squat. Dude, um, Tex, how do we find our squat video? So listen, the lean grizzly, go to go to Google and look up. Um, let me type it in. Building the building the squat from the ground up. Building the squat. You and Amanda? Yeah, building the squat from the ground up. Power athlete. I'm checking this, guys. I apologize. Yeah, building the squat from the ground up, power athlete. Search that because I'm looking at, watch this text. And let me go ahead and talk about the beauty of, listen, we're going to get into a C2 rower question later, I bet. But the nice thing about the Airdyne, the VersaClimber, is here's how you would, quote unquote, fry your central nervous system, people, in my experience, is... Holy shit. Bal- yeah, ballistic. I know that we're talking... Listen, this guy, we, we he's out there, he's training. Let's just... He's there. He's willing to learn. Um, guys, I, so the nice thing is about the cyclical work on these fixed machines, the air, like the air-resisted air bike machines, the, the turbine machines, is it's all concentric, all concentric work. It's cyclical concentric work in a fixed range of motion. So really, it's not a super complex type of movement pattern. You're not getting heavy eccentric loading. That's the negatives. So that's why you could literally fucking jump on an airdyne and punish yourself. Punish yourself for a minute on, minute off, for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and come back the next day, assuming you're carbon up because you're blasting that energy system, right? That glycolytic energy system and perform decently well, right? I'm not saying you're going to get a 
PR if you do 10 days of fucking air bike intervals leading up to that lift tax. But what I am saying is you won't quote unquote fry your nervous system, right? Yeah. And here's also the deal. Two, two comments here. Number one, you need to gradually progress. So if you aim and you just think, oh, I'm in terrible shape. I got to go burn it freaking down to go get in shape. And you try to do too much too soon. That's where we're going to have a problem. So honestly, if you just add in freaking, uh, what's a realistic thing? We can go. Well, here's also the thing. So this is condo for rugby, right? So you got You take two veins here. Do you use this as like high intensity interval or do you use it as aerobic base, right? Mm -hmm. So you have two, you have a tool that can accomplish two different things here. And I think maybe what we could do is aerobic base type stuff. But if you're the best to best replicate, maximize skill transfer to get in shape for rugby, this isn't the tool. And, and yeah, that's where you're getting so what, to. So what I was getting to, number one, just I would begin 30 on and then roll it out for a three to one and gradually work your way to a one to one work to rest ratio. Number two, this is not going to get you in shape for rugby because the only way to get in shape for rugby is playing rugby. But what we can accomplish, what we can accomplish is essentially work on all of the, the systems in place that you will need for success for recovery and rest and recovery between maximal velocity efforts on the field. So <clears throat> begin with that work to rest ratio of one to three and then gradually work your way to one to one. But honestly, the only way to get in shape for rugby is playing rugby. So that's, uh, that's what we need you to focus on. Understand that nothing will replicate the demands of your first day of practice. Nothing will replicate first day of game. So you, it's, you're going to have to group, gut through that freaking uh, that practice, that mm -hmm. game, and, and, and push yourself. So be prepared for that. Don't say, oh, whatever I did didn't work. Nothing can prepare you for that. So just get ready for a gut check. So Tex, I, I had to walk away and uh, address something. Did you talk about like volume sprint work and tempo runs? No, I didn't. So I mean, this is just specifically the airdyne because you asked about it. But mm -hmm. I would, I you don't need any equipment. You have everything you ha uh, need to be mm -hmm. successful with this. I love the good old tempo run to essentially accomplish a lot of the purpose of our additional cardio work. Those of you that are on Jack Street and have like a thirty-minute Wednesday condo conditioning essentially that uh, accomplishes the purpose and one of the reasons why we do a tempo run but at the same time jack street you don't need to run mm -hmm. rugby you gotta run so that's uh I, I would honestly throw running in there before the airdyne but uh i mean if you're in the dead of winter like yeah like in texas <laughs> yeah jesus kidding. but um you gotta still focus on that conditioning portion but it will not replicate the demands that you are probably looking for this to do. Mm -hmm. But it's an important piece to the training. Yes, absolutely. So, but yeah, I wouldn't worry about it robbing. Like if you go ham on it a couple of days, it's not going to necessarily stunt your training. That's yeah, the nice yeah, thing yeah. about these It's these not machines. like a, you know, it's not mm -hmm. like a, a hero workout. But you could also argue text, right? Uh, you could argue if intentionally applied that some of this could be like psychology, discomfort, mental toughness, getting into some of that grit. It can help with the mental Dude, side of no. things. You're a rugby player, and Lean Grizzly, you've been playing this long in your life. You got plenty of grit. All right. 
Yeah, these are not freaking like 16-year-old high school private kids. We don't need to teach them. So for any coach listening, though. Okay. Not the lean grizzly. There could be an application for that. Yeah, but not not as we discussed there. Yeah. All right, barrel forward. There's more conditioning questions. Maybe we come back to that. All right, cool. Barreling, barreling forward. All right. Surgery question here. RK, not our RK, but another RK. About a year out from posterior labrum soldier sur- shoulder surgery, and while I have all my strength back, my overhead stability is awful. Any drills I can add as a supplement to build up shoulder stability? I'm guessing dead bugs won't fix this one. Mm, dead bugs fix everything. No. <laughs> um, you want to go? Oh, sure. I would go. All right. Let's start with a dead bug. But what we're going to have you do is, is add some resistance to that. You have multiple ways that you can accomplish this. Number one would be a single kettlebell holding both hands and adding the movement right through your full range of motion. So we're going to increase your stability through your range of motion. Holding on that KB, single KB, and going overhead, right? We don't want that weight to touch the ground because that would take away the, the strength development and everything's going on. Then you can go kettlebell, smaller one, in each hand. So weight in each hand. Then we could also add resistance bands. This is going multiple directions. One, you can put a mini band on each wrist, right? And you're pressing out as the, the band is pulling you in, but you maintain, right? Your full range of motion as you go arms overhead and return to dead buck home position. Or you can have a band that um, attached to a rack between your legs, and then you're lengthening the band away from the rack as your hands raise overhead. Uh, and what else, dead? Well, buck? you could you could clock that anyway. <clears throat> so you could be laying you could be laying parallel to that band tension, right along along yep. that band Changing tension. The, you could rotate it 15 degrees, 20 yeah. degrees, 90 degrees, 45 degrees, to the point where it's 180 or shit 360 all the way around. So you could clock that tension in any angle. And what's the yes. goal going to be? It's going to be maintaining that neutral path. Through dead bug, right? Yeah, protective and force. Now, could you you could even take this from an overhead? Could we go laterally? Yeah, reverse so, fly. You can like a reverse <clears throat> fly, but in a dead bug, right? So we don't just go over our head in that sagittal plane. We go across, right, in that yeah. transverse plane. Yeah, we can, we can do anything. I fucking knew. It. I'm just baiting you for that. What do you mean you're baiting me for that? The, we we're just introducing. Uh, the dead bug is an option here, but I want you to understand we're talking about movement through all all planes of motion, all degrees right. that are possible within the shoulder. Honestly, we're focusing here on protective force. So essentially, you're worried about stability. I imagine there's an instance in which you felt instable. Was that during the press? Was that during a front rack, during a clean or a front squat? When and where did you lose it? Is this just a general feeling that you have? Your mm-hmm. feelings will lie to you. So we want to test, test, and, uh, and develop confidence within your shoulder with movement. Mm-hmm. And I guess my advice too, so we could also hang from a bar, do some scat pull-ups. You can do standing scap work. So just think about like the rowing motion with the locked elbow, right? So letting that shoulder roll forward and back, protraction, retraction. You could do it elevated. You could do it depressed. Right, find things that that feel like they need that protective element, 
and maybe work within it as long as there's no pain. And this kind of comes back to uh, our buddy Anthony Lowe, the physio detective, and his new his new tag tagline or his new approach summed up simply is do something different. Right? It might be differently. I don't know. He just tried to get it different than Apple because Apples think different, right? Well, Apple used the wrong English. Mm-hmm. So it should be think differently. That's proper. But mm-hmm. Apple said think different. So whatever. Ant Lowe's using it correctly. So and his so he uh um, moved differently. And and what he's doing is he's I'm gonna refer to this in one of the next questions we're gonna get to, Tex, is opening a window. Opening a window for training when you are in this injury recovery state, um, you may not be as rigid on joint. Uh, how do I want to put this? Like foot placement. And we talked about this with like toes forward, right, Tex? And that's one of the things. If he gets a guy that comes in and is hip pain during toes forward, but doesn't have hip pain with a toe out during his recovery process to keep that guy moving, he's going to toe out that guy. But guess what he's going to do as recovery occurs? toe forward, especially if they're a field sport athlete, right? So I should say he's going to toe forward if they are a field sport athlete. Now, what he does for a non-field sport athlete, I don't know. That's Antlow's prerogative. What would we do? We'd work him to toes forward because we're unlocking athletic potential. We're reinforcing that athletic position. That's our North Star, so we're always going to work towards it, right? So did we answer that question? You can hang from, you can do scat pull-ups. You can do some, some like Kelso, Kelso shrugs, um, Yes, we're bottom line is we're going to solve this problem with movement, mm-hmm. whether it's a dead bug, whether it's hanging overhead, whether it's having an object and pressing it Jimmy overhead. Jimmy Buffett's JB's, Jimmy Buffett's, it's yeah, movement, abduction, so, adduction, right? Yeah. Any Job's shit, yeah. So, look at the movements of the shoulder, and we're going to move through all movements of the shoulder and then add resistance when necessary, mm-hmm. but it must be pain free, right. Next. Do it. Uh, you got one lined up? No, I don't. Okay. All right. How do you teach... This is from MV83P12. How do you teach proper breathing and bracing to create intra-abdominal pressure? Where, do you, where are you getting this? Who's telling you to do this? Uh, MV83P12. No, I know, but who's telling that person? Like... When, what's the diagnostic to determine whether or not an athlete has limited intra-abdominal pressure? Well, we can't tell from MV83P12 because he's private. Oh, um, shocker. So, but no, honestly, like when, so Tex, how many athletes have you coached? Uh, I can't answer that question. If you, is it more than five? Yes. Would you say in the thousands? Probably getting there. Yeah, you're probably approaching. I mean, more so than, you know, I guess we've, if you just count our seminars, and maybe I'm not that good of a coach. I don't know. That's quite possible. But not <laughs> once have I like looked at a guy or a gal who's moving and been like, man, you know what would really unlock their fucking, unlock their athleticism and make this person a savage is increased abdominal, intra, intra, increased intra-abdominal pressure, right? Well... I, no, I'm, listen, no, let me also say, I'm not saying breathing is like pfft, not an issue, right? Because we learned a lot from Dana and again, going to my buddy, Aunt Lo, uh, we, we create bad breathing patterns, right? 
We often do. Like, I know I'm an upper back breather. That's not good. So what do I do? I practice. So you get on the fucking ground, do some breathing exercises. Uh, you know, imagine cutting your body into three different zones. Zone one would be from your fucking, what do you want to call this? Collarbone to your fucking xiphoid process. Your ribs, the top, your the top part of your ribs. That's zone one. Okay, okay Tex. Zone two is going to be from that xiphoid process or that little crook in your ribs down to like the bottom rib. So if you poke above your belly button where it's soft, think go to the like the very bottom rib. There's got to be rib numbers. I don't fucking know. Rib one to six or something. Cut your ribs in fucking half. Zone one and zone two. Then uh, between your pelvis and your bottom rib, call that zone three. You want to be able to be to isolate breathing up and down in each zone and every combination. So all three zones up and down at once zone one up and down zone, all three zones up zone one down, zone two down zone three down. So think of all these sequences and then text. You want to know what else you can want to be able to do is outwards laterally in and out in zone one laterally in and out in zone two laterally, your ribs should fucking move. And then zone three, that transverse that's lateral, I guess, oblique, right? That's your oblique lateral oblique should be able to be pliable enough to z- breathe in and out. And then you should be able to do all these fucking things. And what you can do is just lay on your back, put your feet up on a chair at 90 degrees. You should be nice and relaxed. Put your hands on your, each one of those zones and just try to breathe into them. And that's going to help you with learning how to actually fill up your lungs. But I'm not sure that filling up those lungs is going to directly create intra-abdominal pressure. And what you're talking about there, I guess, is what we would refer to as tensile strength, right, Tex? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I got some talking points, but uh, yeah, keep rolling. Uh, so, and how we're going to do that is just correctly, how do I, the appropriate application of training stimulus throughout the athlete life cycle, right? So taking the time to have, like take a bedrock approach for an example, right? Progressive overload with a barbell, cervically loaded, either carrying heavy shit or putting on your back, Moving through space, rotation, lateral flexion, extension, we're going to teach our athletes how to use their trunk. And as we use it, we train it. And as we train it, we strengthen it. And then as you come out the other end, you have a level of tensile strength that you can call upon to be rigid to transfer force into a barbell or an opponent, right? So this kind of comes down to what was Stu McGill's line? Distal force to proximal something. Do you remember Distal stability to proximal. I don't know. He talked about basically quarter extremity, your ability to rotate and snap. That's power, right? That's the the essence of power. Um, so I guess that's how I would do it. But it, breathing, you know, some of that breathing stuff is pretty jiggy and interesting. Lay down and try it. You're going to be like, how the fuck do you breathe out of your, like, zone three? I can't fucking do it. But that's some shit that I've learned along the way, bro. Yeah. What do you got? Well... To me, breathing, that that represents concentration, right? So our ability to essentially block out whatever it is and then focus on one one body task. Mm -hmm. Breathing is just one of the most, (gasps) I guess, sexified, publicized way to concentrate. So whether we are coaching and giving you a direction of, you know, grabbing the ground with your big toe that level of mind muscle connection would be the same as if we were asking you to lay down and put your feet up on a chair and then breathe into quadrant three. So it would be zone three quadrant is four zones. And there was only three zones. I just want to make sure that oh, our you don't know, know about quadrant four. 
<laughs> oh, we got to get Dana back on the podcast then. I guess you could say pelvic floor. <clears throat> there you go. Zip it up. Zip it up. See, you You don't understand. You don't get it. You don't get it. But this just to me says concentration. Whether we are talking about the back squat, bracing and breathing. The Valsalva effect. Uh, Well, in my mind, when I think back squat and breathing, I'm thinking dead bug and breathing. Mm -hmm. Because we were working with in threes, fives, sevens, tens. We're Mm. working with high reps. And if you don't breathe or you take the Valsalva approach with that, it quickly turns, right, a 5RM quickly turns into a 3RM, right? Right, right. It's one of my jokes. Write that down. So just to uh, kind of be in line with uh, Luke, I would say this is just your opportunity to practice some concentration that will also carry over to field courts, uh, rink, whatever it is that we're uh, getting into. But so I would challenge the breathing. Uh, This goes back to uh, Power Coach Concentration article I put out a while ago. We're looking for kind of noise, anxiety, different times of day. Uh, pace, complexity, novelty, and then how we we would coach or guide our athletes through that is providing feedback. So, you know, just uh, adding a different line of perspective, but all in with Luke's um, Luke's take here. It's just I think it's concentration. That's yeah. That's all. Does that answer? I think so. Okay. <clears throat> Breathe. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> Pete, Pete, I got my Pete over in Europe. Here you go. Former apprentice and Jack Street follower. My back injury got much worse recently, so I declared full focus on Move You official program, hoping one day I can buy back my property on Jack Street. My question how can one attain as much muscle while following a rehab mm. program with mainly glute, trunk, and scap work? Food-wise, other tips, cheers. What's uh, Do you recall his back issue without... Um, so he, could, he just can't load a bar on his back? Yeah, we can't cervically load his spine. Okay. Uh, leg press? Ooh, yeah, leg press. Uh, he's a garage gym guy, though. Get a fucking... Okay, so that's fine. But here's some tough love, Pete. Get a fucking gym membership if you want to get jacked. If you want to pack on the muscle that literally drops the panties as you walk in the club. And you want to fucking have legs the size of... Uh, I should have had something there. <laughs> the size of a fucking three Christmas hams, right? You're, you're going to have to invest somewhere, right? And um, that is an option. It's not the only way. But let's just say you get a global gym membership. You can start to do some of the like leg extension, hamstring curls... Uh, leg press, you know, uh, and, and start to pack some of that stuff on. Right. And then I guess vertical pressing becomes an issue. Doesn't it text? Cause that's going to be compressive. Yeah. What about, was he able to bench? I, yeah, we had a lot of bench in there. Okay. So that's it. Floor press. You have access to that. Um, I guess you could glute bridge the, f- I mean, John, when he was talking about his knee was jacked up, he couldn't load vertically, not cervically, but vertically. Right. Because he, he said he glute bridged a fuck ton and kept a lot of weight. Uh, so that's an option too, but it comes down to with this stuff is like, you know, uh, there is a bit of, yeah, caloric demand, right? So we would just kind of throw out there, I would start isocaloric with, which means basically equal parts of calories of protein, carbs, and fats, right? A gram of protein and carb have four calories, uh, and a gram of fat has nine calories, right? 
Uh, I think that's accurate. But you'll if you Google that and fact check it, it might be off. I'm sorry, people. Um, but the the point, the moral of the story is get a, get a nutrition tracking app like MyFitnessPal. Put in an isocaloric strategy and eat 17 to 20 calories per pound of body weight, right? And then I wouldn't be afraid to jump. Like, so is Pete an athlete or is he just kind of like training lifestyle? Training lifestyle. Okay. So he did, so sprinting's probably out of the question, but he could jump on a fucking assault bike and he could use that as some conditioning to burn some calories, right? To get in caloric deficit, to stay lean. You could also use that for your aerobic work, right? And uh, you just got to lift heavy weights, and go to failure and train with the fury of a thousand suns and do what doesn't hurt. So lots of curls, obviously, lots of bench press, pull-ups. Can he hang? I can't recall. Shrugs? Yeah, shrugs. Uh, but even that's going to be... Oh, not if you go to a gym membership. Yeah, maybe. Kind of Nautilus machine. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you got some options there, man. And honestly, if that's your, if your goal is like, man, I weigh fucking 180 pounds... Um, I want to get up to 200. You might have to, you're going to have to make an investment either way, investment in food an investment in sleep and potentially a financial investment in a gym membership. And dude, maybe you can get like a punch card thing, or maybe you can find a little gym that just has a leg press, right? And say, Hey, I just want to come in two days a week and it'll cost you 10 bucks or something like that. And then you can train in your garage the other days. That sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. All right. Next question. Anderson, I'm having the most difficulty with progression of the power athlete step up. Huh. I perform it in some capacity in all training sessions. Would it be more beneficial to devote more volume or progress resistance more? The answer is probably both, but wanted to hear any thoughts. More details, 37, training three to five, five days a week. No lower body injuries. I I do have a left shoulder pain. Da, 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 da. Training goal right now is unconscious competence in all lifts and primals. That's hope that's enough info. Yeah, this guy's uh, speaking our language. Well, I do got to say the step up is one of the fucking harder movements to coach like uh, late adopted athletes. Or I shouldn't even say athlete, late adopted people who train because it's not always athletes. You know, Harry Shaw comes to mind. He has absolutely no fucking eccentric control. And that's probably where this guy trips up because stepping up isn't for a lot of people isn't the hard part, right? So getting the foot on the box and standing through to the high knee step up, people can shake with that with like an 8-inch, 10-inch, 12-inch box, right? Oh, yeah. But what about lowering, maintaining alignment, Right, that's where things get kind of sketch for people. So, go. We got options. So, if we essentially break the step up down, we got a unilateral movement, and then the the hip position. We have a tilt in the iliac crest, not excessive. Right, going back to Ingrid, uh, we don't want to over <clears throat> over axial rotate, but uh, just getting in the the hip alignment that gets away from a bilateral. So, what you can do, I may try some. And where Luke's talking about failing in the eccentric, let's focus on that and get into kind of a bilateral or a Bulgarian split squat, but we're going to put that foot up on uh, essentially an elevation. So think we got to put your hips into position so you can either raise, raise that pin up 
that you rest your your back shin on for your Bulgarian split squat. I just want to see a tilt in the hips, and we can focus on lowering and into your posterior chain, so your calf, your hamstring, your glutes back there to develop that strength. But again, like like anything, there ain't nothing to it but to do it. So we are going to imp- increase aim. Think that's going to be hypertrophy, right? But then we're going to take that new muscle and structure. We got to educate it so we still have to perform the step ups. And maybe go barefoot. I don't know what shoes you're rocking, Matt. So, uh, oh, we got Under Armour shoes here. Maybe just kick those off. Work uh, work your feet. Action. You know, grab the big toe with the ground. Activate that backside so uh, we can try to get in there. But I want to see more volume for your your split squat with get your hips in the proper position. That's going to replicate a Z versus an, an X axis or rotation. Develop and increase that, that mass, that structure, and then give it the opportunity to coordinate doing more step ups. So I can't find a step up video on your page. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's, it's kind of about, there's progression as well, right? So you can, I, I don't know what he's stepping up on. There ain't no shame in practicing on four inches, working to six inches, eight inches, right? No, not at all. You know, so let's say you've determined you have competency on a four-inch box. Boom, progress on that with load for a little bit. And then up the, you know, as that's what you would load. And then concurrently work a higher box unloaded or surface. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, we got lots of options. But we're going to step up. And how are you, Captain Morgan's? Throw some Captain Morgans in there that maybe gets your your groin and your abductor stabilized. So then maybe mm-hmm. they can throw more support your way, so you don't have to only rely on your your backside, on your your descent or as ascent. Is that what it's called to go up? Mm-hmm. Ascending. Ascend. Ascending it. Yes. Ah. Okay. Asked and answered. Ready? Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, we got we got lots of lots of questions here, Luke. I do want to spend some time, but let's go to Tony Fu. A bedrock question. You ready? Uh, I have no choice. I'm here. I'm plugged in. You're talking at me. Okay, Luke. Sometimes I feel like you don't listen. What? <laughs> here you go. When starting a noob on bedrock, do you leave? an acclimation period before introducing sprint drills. Specifically, I'm working with some kids that are seeing great improvement with just the primals and the basic body weight strength exercise and haven't introduced any sprint work just yet. My thought is to not overload mentally them with new movements and patterns and just give them some opportunity with the barbell and basic stuff. As you know, I'm a yinzer, and it ain't sprinting weather here in the Berg right now. Pittsburgh? Is that what he means? Yes, he means it's fucking snowing and shit out there. He's not sprinting them outside. Am I doing them a disservice by not having it in the program from day one? Well, it becomes the opportunity to express everything you're fucking training in the program. Foo. So... You know, I gave this analogy to our fuse coaches 
on one of the daily lesson plans. And it was a play day. I'm like, hey, today's play day. All the hard work we put up in, it, you set your kids out and let them rip, right? Why? Because movement matters. And the all the time you're spending under the barbell, warm-ups, skills, drills, etc., that is essentially going through the fundamentals of mathematics. And this is going to be a very dry analogy, people. So strap your fucking self in. Roll your eyes if you want. Take a deep breath. Let go and be like, oh, here we go. Okay? Because here... So that is your practicing your addition and subtraction, right? Eventually, these kids got to balance their checkbooks. You got to put that shit to use in the real world. And foo, the sprint is our opportunity to coordinate and work on that combinatory... Abilities. Ability from our step, lunge, squat, push, pull, that all comes in t- testing tensile strength through the trunk. That all comes into play now, right? So yeah, you really do want to try and sprint them. Now, let's say you're indoors. There's opportunities like the wall drill. There's opportunities like banded sprints. And like and just like we talk about with a, putting a noob on uh, bedrock, text. How frequently do you take a 13, 14-year-old kid, put a barbell on their back, work up to a load, and their squat looks perfect today? In free, he's shaking his head, people. He's wearing a dad hat, and he's shaking his We're head. We're both wearing dad hats. My hat's sick, though. <laughs> Your dad hat is so not here's sick. It's sick. We have intel from one of our followers that we need dad hats. So our merch girl, Packy... Like the chip. AKA my fiance, AKA the person whose car I fucked up, ordered these dad hat samples that are absolutely hideous. <laughs> so and bad. I'm fucking wearing them right now. <laughs> I'm, she's giving me a look right now, like, <laughs> this is the most, hit, like, this, listen, I'm not oh. like, okay, I'm using this as a reference, but this hat fits my big fat head like a yarmulke. It's like a yarmulke with a bill. I mean, text, look how low. There's a four inch gap from the top of my ear to the bottom of this hat. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I'm rocking it though. Just to prove a point, I'm gonna. I told her, "Hey, I'm gonna wear this for two weeks, and we're gonna count how many strangers come up to me and make fun of me, or ask you to watch their kids, <laughs> or balance their checkbooks." I see where you're going with this. Exactly. Anyways, leading back in, we don't see a perfect squat day one. Just like we're likely not gonna see the mechanics we want to see in a sprint day one, right? What texture? Give me this look. Because it's impossible, it's impossible, this is a golf swing. It's like teaching a kid a perfect golf swing. It's impossible. They must find their swing. They must find their stride. They must find their sprint. And you are digging them. You are beyond doing them a disservice. You are digging them a hole that's going to take them longer and longer to get out of. So the why we sprint twice a week and then do all of the drills that we see on speed, kill, skips, all of these that Luke said, com- combinatory abilities, that is why Bedrock is so successful because of the sprints. So we are giving our athletes the opportunity to find out their their stride length, frequency, everything that's going to matter when it comes to sport. So often we always say, hey, how do you get someone faster, get them stronger? Yeah, you're not wrong, right? You're going to get stronger on Bedrock, but while we're sprinting, then they say, all right, it's all, speed is all about driving force into the ground. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to increase their ability to drive force into a ground by getting stronger or doing the skips and stuff. But it's going to be finding their stride 
lengths, finding their arm swing, right? Everybody's going to go face cheek. Not every athlete will go perfect 90 to 90 degrees on their elbow swing. They have to figure out everything past their, their hips during their arm swing. And that takes a lot more opportunities than it does a squat to figure out, especially if they're putting on more meat, more, more protection, armor, whatever you want to call it, muscle, then it's gonna, you're doing them a disservice. And I always reference back to Luke Summers. Which year was it? Your post-sophomore year? Yeah, 1999. Luke Summers, 1999, post-sophomore, pre-junior, where he lost the stride. Mm-hmm. And move from a linebacker to a, an interior lineman. Yeah, being courted as defensive back. Holy shit. Yeah. And then went to a fucking nose tackle. Yeah. Down so lineman. Had a first but step, had put strength. On, put on 50, 60 pounds. Strong. Ox. But didn't still sprint. Am, but didn't sprint. Yeah. Still don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, still don't. No. <laughs> So, Tony. Yeah, but I guess what is... So, I want to make two discussion points here. We do have... Like, you do have potentially facility logistic issues with weather and shit like that. So, it's banded sprints. It's sled pushes. Well, I've been to Tony. Yeah. Hit some some 20s. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Hit some 10s. Yeah. You have a straightaway. You're fortunate. Some 5.10.5s, right? Yeah. Um, but now here's what I like. If I were listening to this right now, Tex, and I'm a 35 year old dude, I'm a late adopter. Uh, you know, I got into this into my twenties, uh, this being like training. I don't necessarily play sports. Maybe I play some basketball, uh, or something like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of some of our listeners who just train. They're not athletes. They're not coaches An athlete in the term of they have a uniform, they have a team, they get paid or they pay to play type deal. Yeah. <clears throat> And they might be thinking, fuck, man, maybe I should be sprinting. And maybe I should be doing this because this is my way to coordinate all the hard work I'm doing on field strong. I skip sprint days. Maybe I follow bedrock and I skip sprint days. So what would you say in terms of someone who's older athlete, doesn't sprint, and is interested in sprinting? How do they take that? Is there an acclimation, quote unquote, period for those guys? For sure. So... Get on the speed kills, first and foremost, because we go through all of, so many warm-up drills, right, to properly prepare your, your feet, your ankles, your, your ligaments, your tendons for all the impact that you're going to start to put into the ground with your sprinting. And you're not going to start week one with the freaking balls to the wall, mm-hmm. all-out intensity sprints. So I would gonna, say the advice there is kind of like... I don't want to say relatively perceived I would say effort. it's like driving up an icy hill, you know? Yeah. <laughs> First off, A, Tex, fuck off. B, <laughs> the maneuver to fix that was ungodly. People were cheering. There was a parade. <laughs> C, Speed Kills is a program we have out for sprint to improve straight-ahead speed. So if you Google Speed Kills Power Athlete, it pops up. D, as you open up day one, like you want to run, like... Put a governor on. Be like emotionally feel in control. If you start to feel out of control and lose yourself in a sprint and you don't currently sprint or haven't sprinted in a year, six months, you're yeah, you're playing with fire, right? Don't go over 40 yards. There you go. Yeah, and then gradually work and increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, go at a, a tempo pace. Tempo run pace would be less than 70% of your maximal conscious effort. Mm-hmm. So 
will decrease the, the distance, will decrease the, the effort mm-hmm. until we start to, you know, feel like we're yeah. comfortable, confident in the run. And no hard stops either. Yeah, no hard stops. No it should rush. be gradual stop. So that's for yeah. my, maybe my late adopters, non-sprinters that need to start sprinting. Because honestly, people, what you're going to, let's say you are that guy and you well, do make... Tony the, is that guy. He doesn't run. Yeah. That's you make for that, sure. You make the commitment... You're going to see, and you like care, and you care about your training and want to improve your numbers. Sprinting will do that for you. It's a gift. You just got to put in the fucking hard work and go fast. All right, Tex, what do we got next? Okay. Uh, pretty short and sweet question, in my opinion. C.L. Lawson, 021, says, I believe baseball players should do overhead work. What do you say? So I guess give some preface for some of our coaches. There's a a camp of people out there who say all baseball players, especially pitchers should not be pressing overhead with a barbell. Right. And pressing overhead with any sort of load, even some of those more conservative thinkers. Yeah. Um, I would go back to the old McQuilkin and I don't know if he got it from a, a, you know, like a, a magazine or what, but there are no bad movements. It's bad positions. Yeah. So, by the very nature of weight training, the, the barbell is trying to put you in a bad position. So if you have a pitcher, I guess you could argue there is a risk of fucking pressing overhead. But there's also a risk in that pitcher driving to your fucking gym, right? Could get in a car accident. Could go up a hill and start sliding backwards and not have the amazing driving skills to make the evasive maneuver to get back on track. That's a possibility. I... I'll tell you this, our baseball players press overhead. Yeah. Yes, they do. So there you go. And what do we look for? Good position. And what do we coach up? Good position. How do we teach good position? With literally everything we do. Everything is everything, as I like to say, text. So the position that the shoulders are going to be holding on the press are the same position we're applying force upward into the bar as we squat, right? So we teach that shoulder position there. When we do vertical pulls, horizontal pulls, we're teaching shoulder position, dead bug shoulder position. Yes. I digress. So, yes, what say both of us is we are going overhead, but we're going to coach the shit out of them and not take away any movements because we're not able to coach it. Right. Or the quote-unquote risk is there. I would say that coach does not know how to properly prepare their athletes to get in there. And, I mean, uh, but – at the same time, if, you're, if your head sport coach says no pressing – got to play the ball. You – cannot press and you have to find a different way to find a vertical press to prepare your athletes because that is one of our fundamental movements is the vertical press Mm -hmm. and vertical pull so going overhead are two fundamental movements that will drastically improve or take away if you don't your ability to pitch Mm -hmm. your ability to play your sport no matter what it is so if it is taken away then we need to find a way it's still we're still going to vertical press and vertical pull, but that it may not be mean, a standing barbell press. It could mean taking out the barbell, taking out dumbbells, maybe throwing some sand bells, mm-hmm. right? And in case they drop it, there's nobody's going to get hurt. It's mm-hmm. a fifteen or so pound sand bell. So finding different ways, but you must hit your primals. It's not as simple as yes or no. You got to work within the sport coach you're working with, and then get there but they are fundamental movement patterns necessary for the success no matter the overhead sport boom cool cool all right all right rushing through 
Here's another bedrocker. <clears throat> How long would you encourage someone to stay with bedrock before transitioning to field strong? Well, there's a little magic with the coach's eyes. So if you, it's, you know, let's say, McQuilkin, you were able to coach this person. Okay. You could assess their movement, right? Yes. There is no like finite answer, but the recommendation that we traditionally give, right, is tallying up three resets in both of the big lifts, which is your back squat and your deadlift. So for those of you who don't know, bedrock is a linear progression in which we add weight week after week. And then when we hit a point where we all of a sudden can't hit the, the prescribed rep ranges and the weight becomes too heavy and we either structurally or uh, our nervous system or our structural system can't get us through that pattern with that load, we basically deload in what we call a reset and we drop the weight back down and continue the progression so that would tally as a reset now here's the here's the tricky thing right you get a trained coach who's taken a lot of athletes through bedrock they'll know what like there's certain like there's failure and then there's failure right capital f right and ideally we're looking for that capital f failure but there's other reasons we hit maybe it's confidence you know, you're training alone in your fucking garage. It's going to be different. But long story short, without going too far, Tex, um, there's all these concurrent progressions going on. There's all these concurrent resets that may be happening in some sort of staggered timeline through this journey. But it's usually about 20 to 30 weeks. People will tally three resets in their back squat and their deadlift. And that's when we would say, uh, maybe it's time to graduate, Right. And it's not that staying on too long would do you any sort of disservice. It just becomes, it's a misappropriation of training stimulus. It doesn't become the best way to train anymore. There's better ways to train. Not that that's a bad thing. Some people enjoy uh, the cyclical nature of bedrock, so they stay on it for the long haul. You know, I think there's a couple of those guys on there now, but uh, it really is time to move on after a couple of those resets. But here's the thing. If you're falling bedrock and not sprinting. Oh, baby. Yeah. Fail. So you're, you're not getting, you're not getting the, the training, the full training response out of that program. Nope. Okay. Ready? Ready. All right. I'm still finding an answer to this question. So I can stall. That's easy. So you can stall. And here you go. Blake Willis. Boy. Florida. Yeah. Jaguar. Jackson, oh, yeah. at hey, this point, congrats. congratulations. Yeah, we don't know what it's going to be by the time you hear it, but you got this far. It's yeah. good for you. Go Jacksonville. All right. Why Here, so I'll read it and you keep searching. Okay. All right. So Blake the Snake asks, That's why his so nickname? <laughs> I don't know. I think we can do better than yeah, that. Yeah, we will. Uh, Blakeatopa Rex, uh, Blakeatopia asks, why so much hate for aerobic training, Tex? Isn't our, <laughs> isn't our aerobic system how we recover from those sprints uh, that McQuilkin covets so dearly? If you have a higher VO2 threshold or max, won't you be less likely to experience fatigue as sprints are repeated? I think those lax coaches making their bros run laps might be onto something. Hashtag condo should be condo audio. Hashtag devil's advocate. So he's been hanging out with you too. I much. like it. I like it. You know, uh, I think he's referring, I think on our last crew episode text, we kind of like 
poo-pooed on sport coaches running oh, kids into the ground. Oh, is sport coach that's offended? Yes, let's just go with that. But sport coaches who who confuse the the sub-maximal rest... How do I want to put this? A sport like soccer, lacrosse, rugby, Aussie rules football, some football coaches. Coaches confuse the that fourth quarter speed or conditioning or that motor as aerobic capacity oftentimes, right? right? So how do they think they're going to get their kids in shape? They're going to run them. They're going to run lap after lap, 400 repeats, right? Every Thursday, 400 repeats. And we're going to do it until, you know, you're fucking, you're, you're puking in the, I don't know, the gutter, right? So that's what he's referring to. And it's kind of like, um, you know, I guess we're responding to the extreme and trying to pull the pendulum back, right, Blake? So it's not necessarily that aerobic work is wrong. It's that using sub-maximal repeated effort runs in such a volume that you're pulling away from top-end speed as it that that could be a risk, that becomes the issue, right? So, Tex, are you prepared yet? Oh, yeah, this is going to be good. So... I guess aerobic work isn't the... Yes, we need aerobic work. But there's more to think about. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this. there's a lot here. And I'm currently fighting a war on the conditioning test. Why condo exists as a term because we were making fun of it. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. And I love... I, I do enjoy hearing John talk about this and how fitness is a cup, right? Mm-hmm. Fitness exists on a spectrum, meaning there is an endpoint. Right, we can work and we can put so much effort and you know blood, sweat, and tears into that cup. But as soon as we've reached our point of of fulfilling our potential of work capacity, fitness, whatever you want to call it, what starts to happen with the cup? Let's <laughs> take a picture no, I'm not. of me and my dad hat here. Okay, it starts to overflow, and we are putting more and more work, which time and, and work are so precious for an athlete. Right, we only have so much time to prepare for our goal that we, if we start to, if we hit our point, right, the full cup, then the extra work starts to take away from other skill acquisition and things like this. So just because you're doing more doesn't mean you're going to increase your general physical preparedness because you've hit your, your base level of fitness. You can't get any in better shape, right? That is an illusion. So my, my point of reference for this in history, it's going to go to the Russians and the Canadians hockey. So think back to freaking miracle on ice, right? The Russians freaking dominated. Well, before the Russians dominated, the Canadians owned the sport and they probably got it back on a stranglehold. What are you writing over there? Nothing. All right. So, so Canadians fought first lost their stranglehold on international hockey to the Russians. And it appeared that the Russian team was in a better conditioned because in the third period they were, they were faster when it counted. So the Canadian coaches, and this is during the Cold War, so nobody knew what the Russians were doing, right? All communications were shut off, including during their training. So the Canadian coaches thought Russians were better aerobic fitness. So what they concentrated on during the offseason was improving and crushing their, their VO2 max scores. Hammered, hammered, hammered. And then they had freaking world class, like the hockey team was in line with the cyclists in terms of their world, their VO2 max scores. 
So then when they faced the Russians again during international competitions, Russians still kicked their dicks in during the third period. So they were in better, quote unquote, shape, right? When it counted, the third period. So again, one more time, Canadians invested everything they have, improving their VO2 max scores, setting world record uh, levels. But then they faced the Russians again. Russians are skating faster and at the third period and freaking win. So finally, Cold War ends. They open up, and then Canadian strength and conditioning fitness coaches of the hockey team get access to Russian scores. And what do they find? The Canadians are 10 points higher. They are in better shape. They're in better shape than the Russians. But the Russians were able to freaking outskate them. So there is speed, and then there is survival, right? When we talk about athleticism, our objective is simply efficiency of movement. So we are becoming faster. We are becoming better movers. That's it is our objective. When we work as a strength conditioning program or coach and we go and athletes come to us, whatever happens, our objective is simple. Increase their efficiency, their movement, their coordination, all of these different things to make them better movers. And the better movers we are, the less energy expenditure we have, right? This is where freaking hard work, fitness, conditioning tests, they become illusions of preparation. So all of the work and all the efforts that our athletes are putting towards it, it's not, it's not a true representation of their abilities or their level of preparedness. So, Blake, why I'm so against the laps and lacks is because if we are working more fast break drills, if we're more working more of a a high tempo practice that's representative of the demands of the sport, then when it counts, we'll be in a better condition and prepared to get there, which is not going to be a steady state lapse that our athletes are not putting conscious efforts towards. So that's why we get into it. You know, our, our simple, we've been, we've been athletes too, Tex. Um, what you just try to survive that and make it look like you're working hard. You know, after so oh many reps, yeah, now, 80% of the kids. Now, 80% you, of the kids, yeah. I, I, I recall very vividly the guys that would dog freaking reps one through eight, and then the last two of the 10 put that effort towards it because that's when it quote unquote counted, whatever. It's that's, but that's not our, that's not our approach to speed or conditioning, even. We, yes, we do aerobic capacity, yes, we do different conditioning tools, but they're designed so an athlete puts forward intent so we can accelerate their coordination and all of those abilities we talked about earlier with Tony Fu and sprinting that matter in terms of movement, efficiency, athleticism. So, yeah, work efficiency. That's the bottom line. And avoid overcomplicating your conditioning. Blake, I'm going to send you an article I wrote a few years back for the NSCA on this very topic. That's what I was looking for. Boom. Well, maybe we'll throw it in show notes. I don't know. You got one lined up? No, I got I got emotional. That's what I figured. I'll take this one. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, people. Hacking up some lung butter. This one comes from my boy Timbo Slice. He was at an OKC seminar. I don't think you were there. I think uh, Double D worked this one with me. First off, Timbo Slice, probably the best calves I've ever seen at a seminar. So, Tim Maskell, 
uh, asks, hey, man, huge fan. Uh, or hey, people. I'm sure he's not talking to me. He does reference me. But uh, per your recommendation, just ordered the spud lap pulley pull down. Again, recommended it. We don't really get a kickback on it. I fucking just like that thing. I, I'm so upset that I, we didn't have that sooner at the gym. But now we have a lap pull down. I digress. Uh, on to my question. I teach high school and coach football here in uh, Abilene. That's Texas people. I recently started programming for the boys basketball team. I covered the athletic position with them and they followed. However, they immediately diverted to a toes out basketball defensive position. Once I walked them through their primals and some change of direction drills. What are some more pointers to strengthen my argument for toes forward in a sport that is taught uh, position of toes out. How much meat would you? Uh, how much meat would I need to bring? And how tight would my clothes have to be to play uh, to play at the Power Athlete headquarters? Well, first off, Tim, I've been poking around. I remember you. I follow you. Those fucking wallets you're making are sick. So people, if you want some handmade leather shit, I don't know if Tim sells this shit or not, but he's been fucking putting it on his Facebook. Click through. He's got some cool leather works to go. But I bet you, if you bring one of those down, we can talk fucking shop or you don't even do that. I could just tell you what I did with my kids in fucking Newport Beach. But you're right, man. So any basketball player or men's league or future men's league basketball stars, text, <clears throat> will tell you that a defensive position for basketball is traditionally toes out, hands out, right? Because you're working arc. It just tends to be coaches want to say it's the optimal way to fucking shift back and forth. But don't confuse the universal athletic position for the most optimal position did you just boomerang me in my dad hat? No, I, I <laughs> no, I just got your boomerang okay. of my dad hat. I'm so, listening. See, I'm listening to you. Don't confuse that that athletic position for a sport specific position. What we're teaching those kids through all this repetition is for the moment. The moment they have, they don't know whether they're in a defensive position, offensive position. They react. They're in a reactive state. We're going to put them in the best position to produce, reduce force in all planes of motion, right? Right. So how can... I don't know if you're getting pushback from these kids or not, okay? It's, or maybe they just don't know. That's really probably it. And it's, it's just their default position because this is what they've been fucking doing. So you got to be clear like, hey, I'll I'll call out... Just call it a different position. This is our, our athletic position. This is your defensive position. And so what I would do to appease the strength coach is when we would do burpees... We would do some in the defensive position. That's fine. But we would do most of them in the athletic position. When we would do our change of direction stuff, the kids got it because they were faster when their toe was forward hitting any sort of shuttles, right? So with that said, introduce them both, I guess you could do. If you're getting pushback from the coach, remember the force bleed demo? It's the one that fucking lit up a fucking firestorm on our Facebook feed or our Instagram feed, I don't know, a week ago, right? Where John was on Seal Fit and fucking ghosted that guy. It's a real thing, though. So if you're one of those listeners who follows us on Instagram, is like, he pulled harder on the first one. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Trust me. Try it. Try it, right? So that force bleed demo is a good way. And you could talk about that this isn't necessarily, we're not using this as a tool to improve your defensive work. That's what basketball practice is for right? What you're doing is you're teaching your athletes and giving them the tools to reduce produce force safely and effectively in the moment of competition. I agree. But, but what do you want dad hat? Let's go. <laughs> this is, 
Oh man, don't hey, we shouldn't talk about these anymore because I don't want to create a demand for these <laughs> and then have them all over the site. Okay, um, where uh, I got into it. So I, I've worked with basketball before and I've got into it and I'm not afraid to stay in it. And I believe a toes forward position is a more optimal defensive position. When we talk about change direction, defense to me screams change direction. And I was a short stick D midi, which is basically basketball defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. With a little more, more contact allowed. Okay. But whenever we change direction, our objective in rule number one is you have to push wherever you're going, you have to push. And this is going to improve your ability to get into the proper position or recover from a, a misstep or a, a crossover. Right. So if they send you one way, you go that way, but then you're going to have to push with more power to recover the opposite direction. Toes forward, athletic position, if I step left or right, I'm pushing that way. That's going to be more powerful, faster, and more athletic. So I would argue that it's a better position because it allows our glutes to mm-hmm. do more work. And you know what our glutes are. It's a big-ass muscle. And you got to use it. But now you're, you're picking a fight with the coach. I know. But just saying. Uh, it's always better to show than tell. Try uh-huh. the force bleed demo and see what happens. Boom. I don't have another one lined up, Tex. Oh, okay. I could. You're going to like this one. Let's do it. Because <clears throat> it's a competition. I'm in a race to a 300-pound clean. Okay. I currently have 275-pound squat and power clean. So is that like a squat clean and power know. clean? That's what he wrote. And the guy I'm racing against has a 290-pound clean. My squat numbers are 320 back squat and a 280 front squat. Okay. I'm following my gym's weightlifting program two days a week, and it's CrossFit programming two days a week. I'm also working a corporate fitness, so I teach a group of exercise classes once a day. Very obviously, I need to get stronger in order to make this happen, but it needs tips to help me out to get stronger faster than the other guy you have any exercises recommendations or any other tips to help beat him p.s 40 dollars worth of chipotle mm. okay on the line so here's fucking rule number one bro what's this guy's name omasta brian okay b rock here's the, what you need to know about your fucking victory lap when you go to chipotle it depends on what type of eater you are okay but I, here is your best value per dollar per food is not ordering a burrito, a taco, or anything like that, but ordering sides of meat. So I would waste your $40 on strictly just sides of steak, chicken, and carnitas because you get more that way. I'm just telling you for calorie per dollar, Tex. Oh, you've told me that I learned many lessons when it comes to Chipotle and eating with Luke Summers. Yeah, and especially if you're trying to sneeze on the food, you got to get over the sneeze guard and sneeze on it. You're one of those guys? You're the reacher? <laughs> you're the pointer reacher? It's a Simpsons quote. Anyways, um, <laughs> I, this one's tricky, dude, because like, as you know, do you have an answer in mind? Oh, I got a great answer in mind. All right, so here's the thing on the, the clean or the technical Olympic variations, you fall apart at a lot of different places, right? So I would get a coach and make sure you're shored up because you might already have fucking 300 pounds in you ready to pull 
but you just aren't wired up to do it. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not. I, I, I'm not mad at that. I like it. So that could be an option. I'm going to scroll through, see if we get Okay. Any. Yeah, I, I've been scrolling through, dude. Reps for Rescue. Christy Adkins helps out with that. Good for you, pal. But here's my answer. You need to get on a program. Uh-huh. So you're all over the place. You're doing just two days a week with, I'm not sure if that's a weightlifting program. And then you're hitting two CrossFit workouts a week. I'm not sure if they have more of their CrossFit program the rest of the week, but you're, you're all over the place. You're not consistent, but you have a consistent goal. So you need to get on a program that's going to consistently and progress you towards that goal. So get on bedrock. You're going to squat twice a week. You're going to absolute pull once a week, and you're going to hit your power cleans once a week on Fridays. Mm -hmm. So that's your opportunity. You're going to get 15 reps to lock in on this 300 pound goal. And you might as well just double down and say, make it $80 and then going to hit 300 for a freaking set of three. Because yeah, because you're pulling to uh, his cleans on here at 275. Um, dude, you're pulling it so high. You need a stronger squat. That's his fucking problem. Yeah. You Not just need front a, squat? Squat. Yeah, just or, or both. Both. But bedrock. Mm-hmm. Because you're fucking pulling the bar up above your fucking nipples, bro. I'm watching this 275. Here goes, oop. Yeah, you have plenty of height, and it's out in front of you. So I think you squat more, and you get a coach to dial you in. Two, 300's in there. You know what I mean? Because you got to figure, depending on the type of lift you are, you're taller dude, longer legs. So you're not going to necessarily dive under the bar as quick. Because there's some fucking dudes, probably built more like me and McQuilkin, who can dive, like pull a bar. Good looking? Yeah, Real good-looking dad hats and can pull ourselves <laughs> under a bar quick and get down to, like, hip, hip height. You know what I mean? So there's the hip height lifters, and then there's the guys who got to pull higher to get under. This guy's going to have to pull higher. So he needs to keep pulling. You should just go for a 300-pound fucking power clean. <laughs> he did follow up. Oh, yeah? Yep. Second part of his question, what does the tempo of an eccentric portion of a lift look like when training for compensatory acceleration? Huh, interesting. Uh, whatever it has to look like depends. It honestly depends on skill level. And then, so here's the thing too, is we tested this out a little bit and it depends on the athlete because I know that I responded better to, I guess a more, how do I want to say this? I guess faster eccentric, but I had the strength to reverse it. You know what I mean? If you don't have the trunk strength to reverse it, then you might have to go slower. Does that make sense? Tex? Yep. So Steadier, slower is a yeah, not steadier. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. So you might have to have a steadier eccentric to pop out of that. But I think we asked and answered. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, get on a program and then, yeah, let's squat with speed too. Mm -hmm. All right. Where's that rib question? If I find it, I'll start reading it. Beef or pork ribs? Dry rub or saucy? Mesquite or hickory, silver bullet or shiner. Beef, dry, mesquite, silver bullet. I'm just going to go the opposite on everything. Get the fuck out of here. Pork. Pork ribs over saucy. beef ribs? Luke Summers pork ribs. Yeah, I guess I do make some good pork ribs. Yeah, with the uh, the rubies. Mm -hmm. Rudy's. Rudy's rub. Rudy's rub. Dry, by the way. With sauce, so cook them dry. Throw some sauce on there. 
And then Shiners. Hickory and Shiners all day. All right. Fine. What else we got? Oh, that's our boy Jake Varela. What's up, bro? Dude, that guy put on a clinic <laughs> at the symposium. Party. We miss you, bro. Oh, we'll see you next year. Oh, here you go, Luke. Last episode, Luke mentioned he does not like rowing. No, fuck it. Why? I think it's obvious. Next question. Short. <laughs> dad. dad. <laughs> um, honestly, I think it has to do... It's just old. You know, I did it for so fucking long. My first fucking five, six, seven years doing this thing because that's the only thing we had. And honestly, getting on the bike kind of brings me back to my old BMX days. Ooh, speaking of which, remember Dan John's observation on BMX bikers? Let's fucking, I want to, we'll get into that one day with him. But um, I just like back and forth, you know, and honestly, it chaps my ass a little bit, literally leaning forward, pulling back, leaning forward, pulling back, your ass just fucking rubbing on that little seat and saddle. And then you got to strap your feet in, strap them out. I don't know. I just grab it and pull. And all you can look at is the fucking monitor. I don't know. I don't necessarily hate it, but it's probably my least. I would given text, given the, a, like a woodway, a Versa climber, a ski erg and a salt bike. And a C2 rower, rowing would be my last one that I would want to do. But maybe there's like also a sense to that, like, we'll do what you don't like. But I think it's just the motion I don't like. And it's I'm I'm a decent rower for short and mid-ranges, like time-wise. I'm decent. I'm not fucking elite. So it's not that I'm not good at it. I would fucking just smoke bored. you. Smoke you any day. Oh, yeah, because I get bored. No, I'd rather go run, play a game, score touchdowns, you know? Mm-hmm. But you have to choose all those... Out of all those, which rank those? Rank I would yours. go the uh, the true form runner. Yeah, yeah, all day. Let's go run. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Um, so yeah. there's my answer on that. So it's not that it doesn't work, right? I mean, especially if you're just trying to get shredded. I believe Gerard Butler getting shredded for three hundred. He like he's like I couldn't have done it without the fucking rower. That's what he said. Well, that's what my buddy said. He said. <laughs> well, I trust all of your friends. Yeah. Well, this one I wouldn't trust (laughs) with details. And they're paraphrasing of stars (laughs) and fitness practices. I believe it all. They would never lie. Uh, All right. I like this next question. As a physical education teacher, Brady M19 hmm. asks, I love the talk with Zach Evanesh, old school. When teaching primals to sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, how would you dictate the importance of these movements to kids that cannot see the importance. Also, when adding variation, what loading option would you choose to use in the class? These will likely be homemade equipment. Mm-hmm. So simplicity and cost effectiveness is key. Brady's a fucking all-star, by the way. Is Brady your boy? Yeah, it's my Brady. Um, I don't know, man. Like... I would try to avoid a scenario where you have to justify what you're fucking doing to sixth graders. To them? Yeah. I kind of, these sixth graders seem like Luke Summers. (laughs) Hey, why are we doing this? Uh, Don't worry about it. (laughs) Do it, I'll give you a fucking popsicle. Um, I guess, you know, you got it. This comes down to knowing your audience. And I guess kids are getting more and more clever with the goddamn internet. But... Try to make a connection with them. Are they athletes? It makes you a better athlete. 
You know what I mean? Are you fucking, um, what else, what else do kid? Well, it makes you better at Xbox. You know what I mean? Like just fucking shut up kid and do it. Cause I'm the goddamn teacher. How about that? I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah. It works in my world. So I guess I, I honestly don't have a good question for that because it comes down to like, it comes down to primal proficiency and being a fucking, are you boomeranging me? Uh, it comes down to primal proficiency and being a fucking better version of yourself, being more athletic. So try to sell that. And if it doesn't work, I don't know. Um, try to make a connection on, on whatever their fuck their, their passion is, or just bribe them and getting a sixth, seventh, eighth grader to do this type of work anyways, for that amount of time, uh, it might be hard. So you got to do like, all right, if you just shut up and do these things, we'll play sharks and minnows. So Brady, I guess that's your option. Uh, and I feel like there's a second part of this. Oh, and then the, the equipment dude, Jay Welly, the John Wellborn came up with a pretty bitchin' uh, piece of equipment, but I don't know if I want to air that, but I don't know. Buckets of water. Buckets of paint. Oh yeah, I love. So we we had a. Oh, you know what? Long conversation. Yeah. So the unk back in uh, at Cross at Naperville, he got fucking a deal on gas cans, like three gallon gas cans, right? And uh, they were like five bucks a piece, and he just filled them up with fucking water and screwed the things on, and those things were dropped from twenty four inch boxes. So he did like a stress test and dropped them from standing on a thirty inch box. And they held up. So go get some gas cans, fill it with gasoline, <laughs> not diesel, and uh, and bring that into your class. Or fill it with water. So that might be like a nice sloshy way to like kind of get people all beat up, right? So you got that going for you, which is nice. But that's probably what I would go with on that. Texas unit, do you want me to move forward on the next one? Yeah, I, I, I like the concrete buckets. I like the water buckets. Uh, but yeah, and hopefully, yeah, we'll be able to drop the, the John tool. Yeah. So you could do that in like, so we, we've kind of partitioned our, our pipsqueak movements. We've got a, a series of rack positions, right? And then, listen, we didn't invent this shit, but we got our suitcase carry, which is at the side. We got our zercher carry, which is bent elbows resting in the creek of the armpit. Then we got the front, excuse me, front rack where we're driving elbows up just like you would a front rack. Then you got overhead and then you got your front carry, which is like a front carry with a sandbag where you're hugging this thing into your chest. So that's how we would use all those tools with all those different primals, right? So I hope that helps, Brady. I don't fucking know, man. Let me know. Uh, barreling forward onto ID 260, okay? Private account, that's cool. Okay, gents, 38 years old, cop slash SWAT, PT slash firearms instructor. Um, I spent a lot of time training for the job and the gym and working. My fitness is good. Training up to run a marathon in the next year. Not an endurance athlete by any means. Following Johnny Wad right now, I'm losing strength, or so it seems, in several lifts. Is it possible to maintain my level of training on Johnny Wad and still progress in my running? I've never been an endurance athlete, and I've got some uh, lofty goals to check. Just needed a new challenge. At the same time, I need to maintain a good level of strength, power, speed for my job requirements. 5'10", 180, Decent diet, shitty sleep due to job, running four to five days a week plus Johnny Wad. Am I trying to do too much? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And, pro- and you're honestly probably digging yourself into a ditch that's going to take longer to get out of. And negatively affect your ability to do your job. Mm-hmm. So while this marathon is a goal, mm-hmm. uh, it, you're digging yourself a hole that hell, your sleep mm-hmm. lifestyle won't exactly aid. So mm-hmm. I say uh, let's change our goals. It's It sounds like you just want a goal, want something to train towards. Mm-hmm which I'm not mad at, but maybe the marathon is not the, the stop gap that we're looking for. I, I mean, I would push you to do a sprint triathlon. That's, that's a definitely a doable, um, that's a doable endurance event because you got a good chunk in the water, right? You're going to be on a bike and then you just got to run like a fucking 5k or some shit like that or five miles, which isn't like, in the grand scheme of things, is better than a fucking marathon. Big time. Because yeah. what injures people training, excuse me, what injured marathoners is the training. Mm-hmm. And again, if you have a, a, a stress fracture, you want to be, you want to sit out your job because of a stress fracture? Do you want to risk your life, your teammates' lives because of a stress fracture or the training, or you had to wake up and then hit the nine miles and then that? turns your mind off for the rest mm-hmm. of the day in which you have to be on because your life's at stake. I I just don't see I it's uh, it sounds to me you want a goal. I think we can do better that'll be better for your health and your mm-hmm. longevity and you will almost improve your ability to do your job rather than detract from it. But if you're hell bent on fucking doing this, I would switch from Johnny Watt over to Grindstone and just do the two mandatory days. Yeah, but your strength will go down. Yeah, so. yeah, your strength's going down. Your and your your likely your power, right? Um, you know, there's certain training disciplines that sell you this fucking image of everything increasing at the same time, regardless of how you train, and that's true. It does. It that's how it works. For someone who's never fucking done anything <laughs> in their life, you got me. And they st- for the first ninety days, literally everything improves. Everything without doing a fucking thing for 90 days. And let me, do you think there are fucking retarded people out there putting together these marketing schemes for fitness ploys and gimmicks? Do you think that they don't know what, like there's some sharp motherfuckers that go out there to make some money. And guess why 90 days is always the money back guarantee because everything works. But here's the thing, dude. You're a type of guy following J-Wad. You're decent shape. You're 38. You're not... You're, this isn't your first fucking rodeo. So yeah, you are going to be exposed to the principle of reversibility. There's going to be a detraining effect as you start to reallocate your focus of training. And you're going to get worse. That's how it works. It's just how it works, homie. So I don't know, man. Uh, you know, maybe the consequences aren't as dire as text lines it up to be, but maybe it could be. That's for you to call out. Do the marathon. I don't care. See how it fucking shakes out. But I wouldn't follow Johnny Wad five days a week and do marathon training. Johnny Wad's a lot of volume intentionally, right? So uh, I guess be smart. What do you think about that text? I guess you summed it up. I'm just trying to, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he values. I think this, you you have another one you want to hit? No, I'm not looking at anything in particular. Okay. Let's, let's call it a show. What's our time? Oh, so I didn't get to, so going back, 
was thinking of adding one to the garage gym, and they already have an assault bike. Uh, it's not a for the rower. The that's a rower question, right? Last episode you mentioned you don't like the rower. Oh, yeah. so yeah, I, I, it's a good addition. I don't think it's a bad addition. I would probably do just my personal preference. I would probably get the skier. What's I like the skier. Rower, what's a rower cost? I think five hundred bucks. But you get one used for like two hundred. Whoa, Rogue Fitness nine hundred. I I'm just, then clearly I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe there's a better way to allocate that. Yeah, I don't know. But here and here's the thing too with the ski erg is it's kind of like in terms of garage gym smaller footprint. But dude, yeah, you, but you, in terms of storage, it's roughly the same footprint. Get a fucking rower. You'll be you'll be fine. Everything's fine. Sorry about that, Nick. Text didn't show the second portion of that question. There's a second portion? Yeah, you're too busy dad-hatting me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any? So we're at like 90 minutes here, McQuilkin. That's a pretty good chunk of time. Is there one more we could round up or just call it? Because, I mean, this is like some... I think we got like all of these. Oh, PNF. So let's talk the PNF one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I did see this one. So my my read boy, it out, read it out. My boy, but Benelli identifies himself appropriately as a donkey. He wants to hear more about PNF stretching. What do you think? Let's get into the real nitty gritty. Uh, I don't have a gym buddy, so if you're uh, if you're into it, maybe show us some good solo stuff that doesn't add thirty minutes to my warm up. Um, I guess here's the thing with the PNF is it opens a window. For you to do some of this shit, it's not like it's getting you more "quote unquote" mobile, right? And we're yeah. we're we're tinkering and hacking, I guess, tissue elasticity, aren't we? Yeah. And Poly, uh, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation, right? Proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. Yeah, but there's a lot going on. But you need a training partner. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we can't replicate it. But also, like, here's the thing: go back and listen to the Cal Dietz episode uh, talking about the in, the interchange between tendon and muscle. Tensioning in, in, in spring systems, right? Do you compromise that with PNF? No. Uh, and par- but part of it is, is turning on as well. But you need a partner because a partner will help feel the, the catch and then push you past, mm-hmm. past the line that you need to go. When you're too much of, I don't even know you, but I can guarantee you will not go to the point in which you need to to get the benefit worth the time. Mm-hmm. So you need a partner. It can't be done without it. Um, that's. But if so you have a partner, what about what if we have people who are in, in unfamiliar with PNF, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation? Can what's an example? An example. Okay, so partner one, let's call him Luke, mm-hmm. lays down on the ground. And then he raises... Hang on, I'm laying down. Okay, I'm on the ground. He raises one leg up. See, we should have done live video for this one. Yeah, no, I'm out. Not with these dad hats. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm taking my right leg, I'm raising it up. Uh, Luke raises his right leg similar to a dead bug, right? Okay, and then keeping his... Where are we at? Right legs up? Yeah, left leg down. Left leg down, toes forward, right? If his toes roll out, his right butt cheek will come off the ground. We need to keep both butt cheeks on the ground. Okay, from here, then partner two, that's me, mm-hmm. go ahead and I'll add resistance to his stretch. So he's So raised, right now you're stretching my hamstring. Closer to calf. your nose. Yeah. Right. Stretching his leg closer to his nose. 
now. Okay. So beyond my natural range of motion, Be- right? Probably two. Uh, or like I, my own, not natural, but my control, like my accessible range of motion. Yeah, I'm pushing you to farther than you probably want to go right now. Yeah. Okay, so then from here, what I would have Luke do is actively dig his heel, like try to press... Out of in, the stretch. Out of the stretch into me. So now, instead of me stretching his knee towards his nose, he's trying to drive that whole leg down against me for one, two, three, four, five seconds. Then he's going to relax, and we're going to increase. We're going to open that window, increase the current range of motion for this this moment in time. So we'll probably repeat that two, three, four times. I'd love to do this on with that basketball team I was telling you about between games, right? You got to play two games, and this is just essentially to return you to normal, mm-hmm. your normal distance. Um, Again, lots of different ways to do lot, apply lots of different tools. That's how I yeah, you could do that. applied it and administered it. You could it. do that. So you're doing like single leg hamstring. You could do that adductor, right? You oh, can imagine yeah. laying down butterfly like MR. Twists, yep. calves, yep. ankles. We can do really everything. Mm-hmm. All movement matters. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, man, you need a training partner. It's like manual resistance, right? Yep. You can't do it solo. I think that's pretty good there. That puts us over the 90-minute mark. Oh, all right. You remember when it used to be like 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. Those were the days. Me, Denny Kay, and fucking Platic just being happy. And now I'm miserable with all you fucking assholes. What are you talking about? <sighs> Sorry for my guy. My guy who hit us up about the swear jar. Oh, yeah. Tell him that. Uh, you know, he's got to... Listen. What you're getting is pretty authentic discussion between us how we sit, would sit down and just chat literally on anything <laughs> movies like it's just how i talk man and it's how text talks maybe you filter i don't know do you filter on this thing uh, i try to i don't really it's how john talks and so we got hit up by a guy who's like real a fan and just said hey why don't you chill out with the cussing and i'm like i, I maybe you know and I, I don't even think about it. I'm not trying to do it to be cool. This is how I talk to Ashley at dinner. You know, pass the fucking gravy. <laughs> is that true, Ashley, or no? She just she said, said no. yes. She said yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so apologies if our language offends you people. But if you are willing to wade, wade through the filth and the profanity, maybe you do get a nugget out of this thing here and there. And maybe one day we will pull that explicit badge and we will just be rated PG-13 and we won't say the F word. We'll say frick and darn and shoot. What the French toast? What the French toast. But it's just not how we roll. And I guess it's uh, knowing your audience, time, place, and manner. And honestly, it's our show and this is how we feel like doing it. And um, sometimes it's heavy and cursing. Sometimes it's not. So apologies if I offend you or John does. I know it's John. He's the one who's with the filthy fucking potty mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to hear the deleted content from Callie, just start berating her with emails. Mm-hmm. Everybody, Callie at powerathletehq.com. Callie, show us the karaoke already. Callie, show us the karaoke. Send it. Send, Send it. it. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for putting your questions out there. Thanks for being detailed. We hope that we answered them to the satisfactory level. Uh, and that is another episode of Power Athlete Radio. It, yeah. And yeah, I've been working on our, our schedule and our 
guest list. That's yeah. what we call it. Yeah. Get working on the guest list and a lot of, you know, people I'm excited to. Nice. I've taken Luke's advice of, you know, throwing the party I want to go to. Yeah. I'm just creating a guest list. Yeah. And then uh, I guess the radios are screening yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, that is another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. conditioning. There should have been an echo in there. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You heard it, folks. Head to the site to scoop up the latest and greatest wisdom out of the 2017 Power Athlete Symposium. But more importantly, do not email me to get the cut audio from the show. I am still operating on those AOL prepaid CDs, so I can't afford to waste the minutes or the data or whatever it is. Until next time, bye!